Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling Podcast. For countless parents, the journey to unschooling has redefined childhood and transformed their family relationships. Are you curious? Together, let's explore what living and learning looks like without school. Hello, explorers. I'm Pam Laricchia, and this is episode number 213 of the podcast. It's the 5th of February, 2020, as I record this intro. And this week, I have a wonderful conversation with Marcella O'Brien. Marcella is an unschooling mom of three boys. Her two grown sons, Jack and Sean, joined me to share their experiences with growing up unschooling back in episode 181. So it was such a treat to hear Marcella's journey. She was also a public school teacher and still tutors math, which led to a fascinating conversation about her observations around math in school versus unschooling. With her toes in both worlds, her unique perspective really lends some amazing insights to a subject that comes up a lot for new unschoolers. Her journey as a mom working together with her husband and boys to find the best path for their family is inspiring. As a personal update, it was Groundhog Day a few days ago. (laughs) Apparently, we're getting an early spring. Yay! The sun is out today, which has been rare lately, so it's lovely and bright white outside. And more snow's coming tonight. We'll definitely keep the wood stove burning. And I wanted to share this wonderful review that was recently posted in Apple Podcasts by Danny Listener. I'm not the type of person that practices gratitude, but with this, I frequently find myself feeling so incredibly grateful I found this podcast. It has changed so much for me. I cannot begin to express my joy and gratitude at having repaired my relationship with my daughter. I never imagined we could be so close. I was going to a therapist for anxiety, but unschooling with Pam's guidance is helping me so much more than any therapy has. My relationship with my spouse is also better. I just can't imagine my worldwide has changed so much and how many positive changes that has brought to my life. Thank you, Pam. Thank you. My goodness, thank you very much, Danny. I love hearing how much your relationships have improved alongside the other positive changes in your life. You've done so much of the personal work we often talk about to bring unschooling into your family's lives. That is amazing, and I wish you guys all the best. I also want to take a moment to thank everyone who has chosen to support the podcast through Patreon. And a big thank you to Cricket, Chrissy, and Marcella for increasing their pledges this week. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Your generous support not only lets me know that you enjoy the show and want it to continue, it allows me to spend time creating episodes each week and to keep the podcast archive freely available to anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash exploring unschooling. And this week on Patreon, I shared a brain dump of some of the things I've been up to lately. And the feedback has been so thoughtful. Thank you so much, guys. And now let's dive into my conversation with Marcella. Marcella. 
Welcome. I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Marcella O'Brien. Hi, Marcella. Hi, Pam. I'm so happy to be here. Yay. I'm so excited that you were agreeable to come on. I spoke with two of your sons back in episode 181 about growing up on schooling, so I thought it'd be so cool to have you on to share your perspective of it all. (laughs) So to get us started, can you just share with us a bit about you and your family and what everybody's up to so we can get everybody on the same page? Sure, yeah. Um, Let's see. So we're a family of five. We live in uh, Harrisonburg, Virginia, in the Shenandoah Valley. Um, So my, uh, my oldest son is Sean. He's 22. And he is, right now, he's studying graphic design at James Madison University, which is right down the road from us. So he lives at home, which is really nice and convenient for him, and he can bike to class. Um, And we enjoy having him here. Um, He also, let's see what else he, so he enjoys games, video games, and board games. He's been really into chess. Lately, like in the last year, he's gotten into that and been playing that with my husband and Jack, not me so much. I don't have the patience, I guess, <laughs> um, <laughs> or the time to, I don't know, I don't sit down and do it. But um, he also has a, um, a part time job and he spends his time um, watching anime and playing games and with his girlfriend. Um, and Jack is 19 and he is at University of Virginia and which is only an hour away. So it's, he's has his life over there, but he can come back and we can see him a lot. So that's nice. Um, he is, he hasn't declared a major yet. He's a second year and he's probably thinking it's going to be psychology. That was the plan all along. That's kind of what he was thinking and part of part of his decision of choosing school, why he chose that. Um, but he's also been interested in education and statistics. So he he's probably not going to major, well, he's probably going to major in psychology, maybe a minor in education and or statistics. So kind of see. Um, he also enjoys um, playing League of Legends in his spare time and... What else does he, he likes to read, which is a little unusual, not unusual. I wouldn't have guessed that. That's kind of a newer interest of his within the last few years. He's, he's made an effort to read and he, he reads a lot of classics, which I'm surprised. I was saying like, we're, I don't read, cla- I love to read. I read it all the time, but newer things. <laughs> so, um, and he was uh, a later reader. Um, so he didn't love, he didn't grow up like loving books or anything. So that's cool. So that's cool that he's really, he's getting into it now. Um, let's see. And then there's Max and Max is nine. And he, um, if you ask him what he likes to do, it's play with his friends. He likes to play with his friends a lot. Um, he had likes to draw a lot and he's really into making card games he's always making a new game and they can be kind of complex. And he actually inspired Sean and Jack last summer because he, he makes games that we can play or that he can play with his friends. 
Mm-hmm. Um, he did the game last summer and Sean and Jack said, Hey, this is actually kind of good. And then they d- started creating a game, which was a little disappointing to Max because <laughs> he said, but I want you to play my game. But mm-hmm. on the other hand, it was, it was a compliment because they, they were like, this is actually pretty good. And so that's, he likes to do that a lot. And he likes to, um, you know, watch YouTube, play Roblox, that kind of stuff too. So, and then there's my husband, Chris, he's a UX designer. Um, he works locally near, he can bike to work and then, um, me and I, um, am a part-time math tutor. And, um, I also started two nights a week teaching, um, an adult beginner English language learner class. Um, and which has been a lot of fun. Um, so I do that two nights a week. Um, and then other than that, I'm reading or hanging out with the boys and yeah. (laughs) That sounds awesome. I love getting the overview and seeing like you were talking about how the boys like kind of fed off each other with the card, uh, the game development and stuff like that. It's, It's so fun just to get a little glimpse at what everybody's diving into at the moment because we know that can change and stuff over time but it's it's even fun watching you share it and it's like hey you know he's reading the classics that's kind of, that's interesting I wouldn't have expected that like I just love sharing um those glimpses because people can I think it encourages people to look at their own family's interests because you're immersed in them every day they can seem rather mundane right but when you look at them with fresher eyes from the outside, yeah. it's fascinating and fun to see what everybody's up to, right? Yeah, 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 definitely. It's like the on um, the shine list how we would have our like little Friday yeah. like, updates or something and people would say, what we're into now? And I loved those. I love getting the snapshot of what a day in the life looked like in other families. It was really yeah. neat. Yeah, that's so fun. So I would love to hear a bit about how you discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like. Okay. Um, well, I, um, my background is education. I uh, was a public school teacher and um, I taught fifth grade until Sean was a baby. I worked one year when he was a baby and then I stayed home. And that both the plan was for him to go to school. Um, but as he got, well, that, as he got closer, I started to, I don't know, question a little bit him going to school, but I was, and I was also going to the Leche League um, meetings because then Jack was born. And so I was picking up books around there and I picked up a book, an unschooling book. I think it was the unschooling handbook. Um, and I read that and it just, I thought this makes so much sense. And it was also fitting with what I was seeing with Sean that he was just learning all the time. You know, I, I wasn't, teach, you know, he was just learning and growing. And I realized, oh, yeah, that does continue just having, just thinking about the students that I taught too, um, how they had their interests, you know, and they were learning and growing. Um, And I started to question also the negative parts that I saw when I was teaching, and realizing that they were interfering with the learning, like the forced Mm -hmm. assignments and all that. And also that we were shifting in Virginia to the uh, the standardized tests, the SOLs were getting more serious. I mean, I guess it's happened all across the country, but that was kind of, I was hearing from, from other people I knew who were teaching that it was, school didn't look the same as it did when we were in school or even when I was first teaching. Um, and 
so I, yeah, so I just, I loved it. I love the idea of unschooling. I talked to Chris about it and he was not too crazy about it. He wasn't too crazy about homeschooling, but especially not unschooling. Um, but he, he was like, he said, okay, okay, you know, if that's what you want to do. So we, we did it. And it was, um, the first few years were, it was all fine. And, um, and then I think, I mean, every, you know, the, through kindergarten, first grade, because I feel like at that point, you really, I think if you're unschooling or if, if your kids are in school, it's kind of, you can't see that much of a difference. I mean, there, I actually thought Sean was learning way more at home and in unschooling than he would have been in the classroom. Then when he was around eight, I started getting nervous because he was um, not, I was thinking in my school mind of what a, like a second grader did and that he wasn't doing those things on his own. Like he wasn't sitting down and doing math, of course, but you know, he wasn't writing, you know, he wasn't doing those things. So I started to think, Oh no, well now I'm, now I'm hurting him. You know, now he's, now he's falling behind. And so I kind of panicked and tried to get him to do some school stuff. And that did not go well. I mean, it was like a month or so. And it, I mean, it was really bad. And he, I mean, he had like violent tantrums. I mean, there was other behavior stuff going on then too, but then I don't know, it kind of, it came to this head where, where Chris and I had to look at it and say, well, something we're doing is not going well. And um, so we, we just kind of stepped back and looked at everything. And I, I joined the shine with unschooling list and everyone there was such a big help. And, um, I read a bunch, every book they recommended and everyone recommended and we realized, oh, well, it was our, our expectations, um, the way we were parenting and also the, the school. I mean, everything is kind of like he hit eight and I was like, okay, you need to act like this. You need to be learning these things. And he was just reacting to all that and acting yeah. out. And, and he said at one point, he, he said, I'm, I'm, my life is 75% bad. So he was like giving us messages that he was kind of getting depressed and, and, and acting out and lashing out. And so we, um, so then we, we came together after reading all the books and, and decide, you know, we said, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to take the pressure off. We're going to really be unschoolers. And that's kind of when I thought, okay, now, now I'm, I'm, I'm unschooling before I was kind of like, not really doing it. I don't know. I, I wasn't considering myself an unschooler, but at that point, yeah, it's like, okay, we're doing this. And we're going to get support from each other. And um, I had some friends here, too, that were going through the same, some of the same stuff with their kids, actually. There were three other families. And so the moms, we would all get together every week. The kids would play. And we would get together. And we'd read books. And we'd talk and just support each other. And it was so great. So so we've been unschooling ever since. Ever since then? Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. I, I love hearing that. That transition piece because it is important to know that there are going to be times when things come up and I love when you're looking back now realizing those first few years were more about not doing school rather than fully unschooling does that make sense yeah definitely yeah but that taking the time to to um, do that research and find and um come to understand more what unschooling is all about because it's not just removing school. It's also adding this whole other piece of relationship and support and connection and act and doing things together and all that kind of stuff. So I love hearing how, you know, you guys um, decided and it was from seeing um, Sean's reactions and how he was feeling and how he wasn't 
enjoying his days anymore and you guys weren't comfortable either right so those those are wonderful clues for us that it's time to take another look at at really how how we're setting up our days and what we're choosing to do and was that about the time where your husband um, understood unschooling better and was much more comfortable with that choice um I think I mean, at first, it was, it was a lot. Like, I was just talking to him about it downstairs that I was reading all these books, and mm-hmm. I was saying, do this, we need, or we need not do this, we need to do this, and I was just throwing stuff at him, and we were kind of in a crisis state, because in the meantime, Sean's, like, flashing out and yeah. you know, having these tantrums, and we were worried if there was something really big going on, I mean, really bad. Um, and so I think he kind of was okay with like pausing everything, but we actually, he wasn't totally on board with unschooling probably until the next summer. So almost a year later where, um, we had, we decided to have a meeting, um, because he wanted to, he wanted a chance to do his own research. So he didn't like that. He, um, that I was just throwing all the stuff at him and say, we have to do this. And which I, I understand. So he wanted a chance to do his own research. Um, so we, we had, we like gave each other the summer and we said we could share the things with each other. He could share articles with me. I could share things with him. And then we had a date and we met at a coffee shop, I think. And we, um, we talked about it and that's when we really came on board. Um, and I think with the agreement we actually made was that I, I didn't want, he was worried that we were going to let things slide, you know, that something that it would hurt Sean and Jack later on, they wouldn't know how to do something. Um, And I said, I'm really not worried about that. I know they'll, we'll be there to help them. They'll learn what they want. So he said, okay, well, if there's something I feel they need to know, then I want to be able to try to teach them that. And I said, okay, that's, you can do that. You can do that. I'll keep doing it my way. And then of course he just relaxed as time went on and he saw they were learning plenty and that didn't really happen. He never felt like he needed to teach me anything. And now he's like a hundred percent on board. And when we considered, um, we just weren't sure what, cause Max came on along 10 years later and we just weren't, weren't sure at the stage of life that we were ready. Like if the, I was going to keep staying home or, you know, all that. Um, and, but we talked about it and it was a pretty quick decision. Like, yeah, I mean, unschooling was great for Sean and Jack. Let's keep doing it. So, so we're totally on board. So, oh, great. Thank you so much for sharing that piece. I, I love so many bits. Okay, so I'm trying to remember what I wanted to point out. Because um, that, I love that piece about how, you know, we're, you're tossing things at your husband that you, that were um, important to you, that you thought were really cool about unschooling, right? And for him, yeah, we're, we're giving it to them, but it's not connecting where they are in that moment, right? So like you said, I can understand why it didn't really, you know, make sense or it wasn't as big an aha moment for him as it was for you was because yeah. that, that isn't where he was, right? Because you and, and I remember it happened with me too, you know, we're immersed in it. So we find these things that are aha moments for us, but they're different people, right? So different things are going to be aha moments for them. So it's wonderful that he wanted to take that time to start learning and figuring it out for himself. Mm -hmm. So 
that's a cool piece that I often see, right? Because with such good intentions, we want to share our excitement and everything. And we, I mean, we want to continue doing that. We want to do it without the expectation that they're going to have the same reaction to it, maybe. You know, without any expectation of what they do with it. You know, it may connect with them. It may be something that connects with them a year later or whatever. But sharing without expectations, just like we do with our kids, I think is a really helpful piece. And then um, you mentioned when you guys met at the coffee shop and, and we're talking about it. And he said, you know, I may want to teach some things if I feel it. So there's so many cool things with that with that um, observation of him, like you agreeing that, you know, that's fine because what that did was release that pressure for him. Like I can do that. I'm not being told not to do that. And it also helped him um, start paying attention more. Okay. Well, if I'm going to decide what I might need to teach them, I should start paying extra attention to see where they are and what they're learning. Right. So now he's observing more. And like you said, you noticed that he didn't actually end up formally trying to teach them things because now that it was his choice, he was paying more attention and he started to see even more how much they were learning and figuring out the world. I just think it's, I got goosebumps because it's so cool, you know, giving people that space and empowering them to make their own choices and opening up conversations that always takes us so many cool places, doesn't it? Mm-hmm, yeah. But, and I had to, I remember like the, when I had to let go, cause I was fighting so hard. Cause I was like, we're doing this, we're doing this, especially cause I was so worried what, what, it, what was going to happen to our family if we didn't like, cause my, Sean was so unhappy. But then I remember that I realized, and I probably got it from someone else. I mean, I probably somebody reassured me or let me know, like, you can't, you have to let go. And he has to have a say, too. And then I, I thought, okay, well, as long as he doesn't say, I have to teach some things. Mm-hmm. That's, that, I, I can say, I'm going to be interacting with them the way I feel most important. And you can interact with them. I trust that you will, you have their best interests at heart and you will, I, I'm going to let go and you can interact with them the way you want to. But I, it, yeah, it took a, it took a shift. Like I had to release, you know, cause I was so like, Oh, oh no, I, I absolutely remember that. time. <laughs> I remember, you know, walking around the kitchen all tense, just, just myself, you know, cause, because you, because we want it, because we can see it, but release that the other piece is releasing that they have their own relationship, right? And like you said, they love their kids. They have their kids' best interests at heart. And even if they want to try to teach something a little bit, right? That's, that's not the end of the world either, because then it's their experience. If, if the child resists it, whatever the child's reaction to it, it's about their relationship, right? And and they can, then maybe they see the differences, you know, if the child's more resistant to it, if, if the child starts, you know, not wanting to hang out too close because you might grab them to teach them something. Like, and they'll see that in comparison to the relationship that we're developing when we're not using control, when we're following their interests more to the places. Like, that is 
That's real information. That's not something theoretical that we're tossing at them, you know, and, and back to that trust that they are wanting the best for their child and that they want a good relationship with their child. That's more learning that they can own. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and they are going to develop different relationships than, than we have. Right. Every spouse right. Or is going to have their own relationship with their kids and you trust and you know that, that they want to have a good one. Most want to have a good one. Right. So, and, and the other piece that I found really helpful as they were figuring that out and continue to figure that out because we all grow and change was to be supportive of them as in I made myself available to have conversations with my husband when he wanted to talk, right? If he was, you know, um, curious about what happened or why they reacted this way, you know, talking to him and talking to my kids separately, right? So it wasn't anymore. I put myself out of the equation. It wasn't about me trying to get them to come together in a certain way. It was more about supporting each of them in ways that they could come together. So, you know, I could talk to the kids and, and suggest things like, hey, you know, um, you can ask dad if he wants to play this game. This is something that you guys enjoy together. And I'd say the same kinds of things to Rocco. And, and then they could just see what happens and see how it works out. So I would just kind of be the sounding board for both sides of it as they try to navigate ways to connect with each other that way. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's cool. <laughs> I find that all so fascinating, but you're right. The biggest part is, is our release of that expectation or that fear that we're going to lose this bill. You know what? We can cultivate that kind of relationship with our child, no matter what the circumstances around us. Right. But that's a huge fear to release, isn't it? Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so I wanted to dive into your math tutor side. You kind of slipped that in there for us. And I think that's fascinating too. Um, So first I wanted to talk about the way that conventional math is being taught in schools because you have a unique perspective, I think, as a tutor to see how that teaching process is playing out for students who are trying to understand these math concepts. So I was hoping you could share what you've seen that way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I mean, the kids that come to me for tutoring are struggling. So, but I do, I do notice a pattern in just, um, well, in them and then other kids that I interact with that are in school. Um, Math is is taught so sequentially, it's broken down. That's the thing that bothers me the most is it's broken down into the little, um, the little skills and concepts and they're taught before the, the kids have a reason to use them. So they're, so they don't see the big picture. I think that's the thing that's the biggest problem is they're not seeing the big picture. So they might be learning place value, but they have, they don't know why they're learning place value. And, um, and I also think they rush in to teach all these things and to teach them how to, you know, how to do addition, subtraction, all that before kids have enough time to just play around with numbers. I feel that's the thing I think that often I feel like they don't have the number sense. If they come to me for tutoring, they don't really know what eight 
they don't want know what eight looks like and feels like or a seven. And then, so they can't really, they can't manipulate them well beyond that. If they don't know the strat, you know, if they don't know the algorithm, if they, if so they, they're getting, um, they're, they're getting lost um, in the how to do it before they know why to do it or what they're even doing stuff with. Um, and so that's, I feel, so if they come to me for tutoring, I really try to, um, I try to help them with what they're doing in school. And it's most challenging if they're in school um, and they have like tests they have to prepare for because we, we don't have a lot of time to waste. But I really try to add in some games where they can just get, um, play around with numbers because I feel like that's the thing that's missing the most. I wish, and pop maybe years ago, kindergarten, they used to just play, they played. And so they were interacting with things and they were interacting with the numbers and now they've jumped into, you know, kindergarten and they have to do things with the numbers before they have a chance to be counting, you know, the stones or counting the marbles or, you know, and just playing around with them. So, so that's the thing. Um, that I see the most is they just don't, they don't have a, a strong, they haven't had time to play with it enough and they, and they don't have a strong understanding and they, and it's, um, I read, I can't remember, I should have found it before we did this, but um, there was, there was something great that was being passed around and it was written by um, a mathematician some at a university um, saying that math is an art I, oh, I know. It was like it was like if the music. It was like if we taught music the way we teach math, it wouldn't. We would have no music. <laughs> yeah, so, and it, was it a mathematician's lament? I yes, think. that's it. That's it, and that made so much sense um, because I, we just yeah we do we break it down we break it down and they're missing the big beautiful picture because math is so. Cool. And it's out there in our daily lives. And it's just, you know, you can see it in the plants and you can see it in the in, on the clock and when you're grocery shopping and when you're telling time, it's just everywhere. Um, but we we disconnect kids from that and then they have to learn it, look at it in ways that don't make sense. And then a lot of them fall behind and, you know, they get this anxiety. They think they can't do it. And it, it's I just I used to. I would set before we decided for sure that we were going to keep um, unschooling Max. Um, I was thinking about math, and I said, actually, I don't think I could. He could ever go to school just because of the way they teach math. Like that was the thing that was, uh, which is so funny because I hear some people say that they unschool except for math. Like math is the thing they can't let go of, and I'm like, oh well, math. Math's the one that they should be playing around with a lot. You know, like let them play around with math a lot. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great point too. And I think, I mean, number, okay, number one, that disconnect of math from the real world as really the root makes a, makes a lot of sense, right? Because then it's, it's really just theoretical and then it's really just memorizing. You can't, it's so hard to understand what's happening if you can't relate it to something in the world, right? Mm -hmm. Some use for it or even some way to visualize it. It, it, it is so much more difficult that way. And I think maybe that um, that might be what's interfering with parents who like unschool except for math kind of deal mm -hmm. that math seems so hard for them growing mm -hmm. up in school. And, you know, because of that, because it didn't make sense. 
um, it was more just formulas and memorizing. And like you said, you know, there's, there's another skill the next week and the next week and the next week. And then you, it's so easy to get behind when it doesn't make sense. Right. And it's so hard to figure out when it's mostly theoretical. Right. Right. Yeah. I think people are scared, right? If they fall behind, then how will they, how will they ever be doing algebra? Like there are all these steps we have to go through, but I know like, no, you actually don't. Those are made up by the schools. You do not have to go through those steps at all. You can, I mean, Sean and Jack jumped right in at like, they had no formal education in math. I mean, in, until they, um, well, Sean was probably, he wanted to do a program at a local um, technical center. He wanted to do a um, visual arts program. So he was about 16. And one of the requirements was that they were supposed to take algebra. So then we did algebra through Khan Academy. Um, he did algebra and he did fine. And I just, if so he was probably like 15 maybe. Um, so that was his first, first experience with formal math. Um, and Jack wanted to go to high school. So the semester or so before and over the summer, he, um, he was going to be doing algebra there. And so we thought, okay, well, maybe you should do some pre-algebra. So we just did the Life of Fred pre-algebra book here um, at home and just worked through on his own. And if he came to a question, he didn't understand something, I'd help him. But, and so that was his first experience. He was like 13. Um, and they both understood it I mean, great, great. Beyond great, actually. I mean, it's so funny because when Jack went to high school um, and he did really well in his algebra class, he was nervous, you know, because it was his first time being in a a math class and he kind of felt like maybe he was a little bit behind too. Um, But he, he did so well, he got an award at the end of the year from his math teacher. And when we went to the award banquet, the, his math teacher said, I'm just so impressed with how math, um, Jack, Jack understands math. And um, what did you do? And I said, well, he, I just let him play around with math for years and years and years. And he looked at me really puzzled. <laughs> That's odd. That's <laughs> odd. <laughs> we all laughed about our, and like Sean, Jack, Chris, and I, we all laughed about it. We're like, he has no idea that <laughs> they're doing it all wrong at school. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's odd. <laughs> and, really puzzled. <laughs> right? Well, and that leads wonderfully into our next question. Because um, I know we talk about in unschooling circles, you know, how kids learn Um, math concepts your everyday living and like you said it goes back to how you know the kids in school are learning these skills without really a good sense of how it relates to the real world right and with unschooling we're more looking at that real world and just exploring and finding the things so that when they're introduced to the more formal math kind of notation and concepts later on they're related to things so they can connect and make sense of it. Oh, this is a way to express this, you know, that kind of dealio. Same with algebra, right? So I think that's really cool. I would love to um, know how you saw that. Well, you explained well how Jack and Sean, how it played out for them. So maybe you can share just a few examples of growing up, how you see math in the real world, because I think that's one of the challenges with with, um, unschooling parents who are so fearful about math, right? They, they just know the school math. They don't 
necessarily see it in the world around them. So maybe just you can give, share some examples and ideas about how they can play with math just in their everyday life. Yeah. Um, well, I think just having um, clocks, watches, calendars, you know, just our, the stuff that we have around us, but making it, you know, as long as the kids have access to that, they are in, they're going to be interested in it. I know all my boys have been um, really interested in time. They all had digital clocks in their rooms. And when we would be doing bedtime and reading, they would um, say like, okay, so how much, how much longer till you leave or how much longer, how much longer are you going to be reading? Like at some point they started being really interested in that and doing the math just with their clocks or when do we have to leave? What time should I get up tomorrow? You know, that kind of stuff. Um, so just ha that seemed like the digital clock. They got so much that they were just doing on their own. Um, we also games, um, board games, video games. They, they learned so much math from video games. I know Sean and Jack would say that too. And I remember one point we were driving around and Sean must have been like nine, eight or nine, something like that. And um, he said something about percent, like um, that I, I have 50% energy left or something. It was not, he wasn't talking about a game. He was using it outside of, of the game and, and using it to describe himself or something or how much of a sandwich is left or I don't know, something like that. And I said, what? How, how'd you know that? I was surprised. <laughs> He said he had learned it in, in his video game because of his bar, like how much energy or how much life was left. Yeah. And I thought, oh, wow. And I was just so impressed that he really understood what that meant. Because I remember teaching percents when I taught fifth grade, and the kids could not wrap their mind around it. It was, so, it was too abstract. You know, 40% seemed the same as 80%. It was just a number. They, didn't, they couldn't visualize it the way Sean could with that energy bar. So... So things like that. So they just—I <laughs> feel like they—they just—it was around them, and um, I mean, I get, Jack says that we that we talk about math a lot. <laughs> I'm not—I don't. Think, I mean, it's not like we um, intentionally do, but maybe just because I'm interested, maybe I do. But I don't feel like I make an effort. Um, but I, I think maybe I notice when they're playing board games, maybe I'll, I mean, it's not like I point out like, oh, you're doing math. Um, mm -hmm. But he says he's noticed that we just are like, we seem to, I mean, they do, it comes up. And I, I think maybe just because the boys were interested in it. Um, we're, when we're driving somewhere, we were driving on the Blue Ridge Parkway over the summer and there were talks about how many miles we had left and how long it was take because we were going much slower. We were going only, 40 miles an hour. So it's easy when you're going 60 miles an hour, you know, it's easy to figure out how many, how much longer it's going to take. So we were, we were, everyone was involved in trying to figure out how much time was left and, and they were just having fun doing it. And I don't know if that's because they are just naturally drawn to that or if it's just because it was always fun. I'm hoping it's just because it was always fun. Yeah, that too. And um, another thing that I think maybe parents don't see as math too is is because my kids are really into patterns patterns is something that we talk about all the time and that we point out yeah so that's interesting when you say you know you guys are playing and calculating around with numbers for us I mean there was definitely that and so much math 
learning in through video games too, right? Uh, for my daughter, it was more like um, sewing and just uh, crafting and and photography, you know, just figuring out numbers for stops and all, all that other kind of stuff. But yeah, patterns were also a really big thing for, for us, just noticing, um, I mean, anything from patterns in clouds to patterns in things we were doing to patterns over time. And, you know, that whole time discussion comes in. Yeah. And I think, I think when part of that is of releasing that fear is just kind of becoming curious again, right? Becoming playful again ourselves so that we can just sink into those conversations without that overlay of, of needing to know an answer or needing to explain something. Don't just play around with the ideas and, and even just listening to them share. Right. Right. That's just as important. They, they can figure these things out. And I think sometimes being an avid listener is better than fearing or trying to jump in and show something, right? Because they'll get there. There'll be so many opportunities over the years for conversations to come up over and over again, right? And each time they get a little bit deeper, they make new connections. And, and it's interesting, so interesting for us to see that happen over time, isn't it? Yeah. And like you said, um, getting to play around with with math in their own way and and that it doesn't have to be right like I think that's the thing I've noticed a lot is that if they're playing a game and they do the math wrong they'll figure it out if it's wrong well somebody will tell them like I mean a friend or they'll realize oh I didn't have as much health left as I thought I did or you know so it's they're learning and and that's like when I say playing around with numbers that's what I mean when like when I was telling the teacher that I couldn't explain all that, but it was like try just trying things out and making mistakes, but nothing bad. They don't get a, a bad grade because they made a mistake. It just, they really learn from that. And they say, Oh, I guess, I guess it was off by two or, you know, I guess I was off by whatever. And then they're learning. They're just getting a real understanding of how math works and num- and how the numbers work and all that. So. I know because yeah, I- there is so much to learn when something goes wrong right? Mm-hmm. I was like, hey, that didn't work out as I expected. <laughs> and then you think it through. And that's, that's real understanding, right? Because you, you're seeing it play out and you're seeing that it doesn't seem right. And that's okay. I think that was a big thing for me that I learned from my kids in those first few years that being wrong was okay. That was something I had absorbed through school that I was deathly afraid of being wrong, right? Right? So it was so cool to watch them be wrong and fix it and notice or not and not feel bad about it. Like that, those grades uh, really played a number on, on me for, for a long time. So seeing them just use that feedback, right. And just take that in. It's like, Oh, okay. And just take that learning forward. Like it was, it was just another piece of information. I always thought that was, that was amazing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that too. I see that more in Max now because now Sean and Jack are in classes where they do need to, I mean, of course they'll make mistakes in daily life, but they also have some of that. Yeah. That they have to 
get do things right and all that. But Max can make all the mistakes he wants, <laughs> which is well, great. And, the- and now I think the mistakes for Jack and Sean too, they won't take personally. Right. Or certainly not right. as personally as, as I did. And many of us did that. Those were judgments of us as a person, you know, this is just for them, you know, they're off doing this stuff now and these courses and it's, it's about the learning. It's not about the person, right? That that's a big distinction that I think when you just grow up in the system, it is part of you, right? Because you're judged and graded and, and kind of kept, um, you know, grouped mm-hmm. through, through that process. Whereas now they're, you know, in, in college and, and that kind of stuff that it's, it's more focused on the learning itself, I think. Right. Yes, and definitely. Fun. And actually they've said that about their, um, their classmates, they, they are able to take things less seriously mm-hmm. than the other students there. And I think it's like you said, because they, it's just a part of their life. They're choosing to be there. They, they know, they, they know what they could do. Like sometimes like last semester or year, last year, Jack intentionally, he knew what he could have done to get an A, but he didn't really want to do that. And he didn't feel like that was necessary. And so he did what he needed to do to get the B and, and that was fine. Yeah. There are students there were like, what are you doing? And he's like, no, no, it's all going to be okay. I mean, a B is okay. It's fine. It's fine. So I feel like they have that. They put in, and they've said that to me, that they, they put it in perspective and they're not as stressed as a lot of the other students there because I think they've, other students have been told for years, like, do your best and you've got to get the best grade you can and all that or this bad stuff will happen. And they, they're, they, they, don't, they never felt that way. So. Well, that's yeah. really interesting. I love that observation. Yeah. And, and for anybody listening, you know, I think you'll really enjoy going back and listening to their episode if you uh, haven't already, because they shared quite a lot of cool converse, observations about their experience uh, checking out college. So I think that's really cool. I would love to look kind of back on those years, like the teen years and stuff, um, and hear your perspective on on what strikes you um, about about those years, what you thought was cool and and interesting for them from your perspective. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy the teen years? I loved the teen years. They they were, I you know you just hear for from society, I guess, like, oh, the teenage years are going to be so horrible. But luckily, I had heard from a lot of unschooling families that they loved the teen years. And so I didn't go into it that way. And I was and I yeah, I mean, it was so much fun. I think one of the things that was great, and it's still fun. I mean, that was kind of I mean, yeah, I think one of the I feel like um, we, they took hold of the reins more, I feel. I mean, we had, because I, you know, when they're like five, six, seven, eight, nine, like with unschooling, we were turning things over to them, but we were still, you know, there and guiding and, you know, just feeling like, okay, we, we still have this response, this huge responsibility. But they both were so mature into the, at their teen year, like 14, 15, 16, that um, we really felt like they were 
in charge and we were just there to support them and help them do what they wanted to do. Um, and I think that helped, that took away that dynamic where a lot of um, teenagers are trying to, you know, push, get their parents to back off. And mm -hmm. we were, we were like, we, we had been working on backing off for so when we first discovered unschooling and we, and we really felt like, okay, actually you, you can make good decisions. And so we, we, so I wanted to be really available. That was one of the, the challenges for me was being available when they wanted to talk, which was sometimes when, like when I was going to bed. Yeah. Um, but we really, that I realized how important that was. And, um, and then usually it was just to get a little, you know, guidance or I'm trying to figure out what to do about this. Or Jack would talk about things that, you know, his friends were going through or whatever. And, um, but it, yeah, it just, it felt really good to, watch them take take charge you know they really took charge and and jack like he decided he wanted to go to high school and he he actually when he first said he said don't try to talk me out of it because he knew that i was like not a fan of public school um so he said i want to go to high school don't try to talk me out of it so i said okay well i will help you. i'll support you um but he really took charge with all that he did what he needed to do and then he um when he went, he got himself up every morning, six something, you know, and he did his homework that he needed to do. We didn't do any, um, you know, so many parents are checking grades online. I mean, we didn't do any of that. And he'd have me sign. Some of the teachers, like, wanted parent signatures, but I would just say, how do you feel like you're doing? And he'd say, fine. I'd be like, okay, sign it. And so it was his thing, but we were helping him do it. Yeah. And that. that good too so and he felt really comfortable sharing some tough stuff that that he um that he or his friends went through um he and and Sean too like I just feel like they don't they weren't scared that we were gonna crack down on them or get mad at them or ground them so mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah. yeah that's a that's a big big piece of it it's and because sometimes I wonder, you know, that um, unschooling is is, is awesome, <laughs> um, but that you know um, people can think certainly, you know, with younger kids that that it means everything's going to go smoothly. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But life things are going to hard things are going to come up for people in life, just like they do for adults. So it, it's not about trying to. Because that's trying to protect them. I can see that's how when people might try, oh, my gosh, I need to put more control in. But mm -hmm. rather, it's, a, it's more connection, isn't it? And, oh, my gosh, that ties in so beautifully to what you said before. How sometimes, like, whether it was Jack or Sean, um, when they, they wanted to talk when you were going to bed. Mm -hmm. So for me, I found the same thing, prioritizing that connection. Yes, they were um, very much more um, uh, leading their days, right? Choosing the things they were doing. Like, we don't need to be as hands-on um, supporting them, you know, finding the games, getting these things, you know, and more actively helping them accomplish what they're trying to do. They're so much more independent at those ages but the connection and the relationship is still super important, right? Because keeping that is what allows 
um, the space for when they're having harder times or going through things or things are happening that they know that you'll chat with them without judgment because that's happened forever. <laughs> you know, for these last months and years leading up to whenever that moment happens, right? So having that experience and being there for them and and making that a priority, even when, you know, we're tired or there's there, there's laundry or, you know, when we had something else to do because we can get into our routine and flow of our things, right? When we have more time on our hands. But taking that priority to say, you know what, okay, I can pick that up after or I can pick that up tomorrow or whenever and having those conversations with them, even if they're just like sharing their day or whatever, when they're reaching out mm-hmm. to connect, I was very careful to make sure I dropped things and connected with them in those moments. And like, I never once was unhappy with that choice because when you connect and you're learning so much more about them, right? it's just fun to talk to them, isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Uh, and with it and, and each like Sean and Jack, there were different ways. Like Jack liked to go grocery shopping with me. And so in the car, when we were driving, that's when he would be sharing something or, or just maybe having that time together. And then on the way home, he'd share something. And, um, but Sean didn't, he never wanted to run errands with me or anything. So Sean, it was more being around when, actually, it was seemed to be when, yeah, when I would go to bed. Like when I would go in and say goodnight to him, that's what he'd want to talk. Um, so it was kind of learning the which what worked for, for each of them. You'd finding out when, when are they, when do they want me available? And when would they like to connect? Um, and yeah, because Jack also was easier... Um, He's, he was, he's more, he'll like tell me, tell us, like, I want to do this. And then this is how you can help me. And Sean was, is more, he just holds back. He's not sure yet. Or he, and he's, and he isn't, maybe can't verbalize it to himself or to us. So he takes more time. So he, he wants, I think things he's more willing to share if we spend more time with him, um, just hanging out with them, you know, or just being around. Like even now, like I love that when I'm home, I like to, I mean, I don't make it as much a priority because, you know, he's older, but I love when I think, oh, I'm going to be home when Sean comes back from class today because I'll just get to hear about it. Um, And so then he'll come in and he'll get something to eat and um, I'll stop what, if I'm reading, I'll stop what I'm doing and just kind of like sit and wait. And then, um, and then I'll ask him like, so what's going on? And after a while he'll start to open up. Um, but, and that's just his pattern, you know? And so I've learned which, what the patterns are for each of them. So I love that. Cause you're right. It's, it, it can be so different with, with each of the kids. And I love that because that's a pattern over the years. I discovered too, with one of my kids, that space, right. Mm. To just, hang out and have conversations and and it can be a while, but you know, they need that space first before things eventually kind of come up. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's just focusing on um, creating that space, hanging out, just making, making food, somebody's making food um, or, or, or even just playing a game or whatever together or watching videos together, but that the doing of something together for a while gives the space for things to bubble up 
rather than other kids who are like, hey, mom, let's do this. Or can you help me do this or whatever? Like they'll come to you versus leaving. I love that. Yeah. So just so people know, like just learn about your kids and notice patterns again, right? (laughs) Notice the patterns of, of how they like to engage with you. I think that's, that's super. I love that. Okay. So you're still unschooling your youngest, right? Mm -hmm. I would love to know what's your favorite thing about the flow of your days right now with him. (laughs) Right. I was thinking about this. I mean, my favorite thing is actually that I don't have all the fear that I had with Sean and Jack. Yeah. this relief. Um, I feel like I'm finally able to live the way that I had wanted to, but I maybe didn't get to that point with Sean and Jack. I mean, I didn't get to relax myself. It was all in me. You know, I just had so many, like we would have times where everything seemed to be flowing and then I would all of a sudden, I'd read something and I'd panic and be like, oh no, we're, wait, I'm making a mistake and we shouldn't be doing this. What are we doing? This is crazy. Um, <laughs> So I, but then I would talk to people and I'd calm down, but I just had those like spikes, of, you know, all throughout until they, I guess, I don't know. I think see, the, it was good timing actually that um, Max, so Max was four when Sean, when Jack went to high school and then Sean was also doing his, um, his um, visual arts program and they were both doing really well. And, and their teachers loved them and they were successful. And so it was good timing for Max because we were able to see like, oh, okay, this is all good. Like, it all worked <laughs> out. Yeah. So now for Max, I can totally relax and um, just in, I can, so I don't know that it looks, it may, it probably does look different, but um, inside me is the biggest difference that I can, I just know that it everything is going to be okay, and I don't have to. I was thinking that it's like the um, it's like a roller coaster. Like maybe the, when I was going on it with Sean and Jack the first time, I was holding on like, okay, this, this is fun, this will be fun. But now I'm like, whoa, this is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah. So he's. I mean, it is just a lot easier to. Um, just fought like tr- trust. I mean, that's the biggest thing because I felt with Sean and Jack, I, I maybe had to work a little harder with that trust work against my own messages. Um, and with, with Max, I, I know like I trust, Oh yeah, he's learning all the time and he's fine. And he, and I, he, um, just right now I was just talking to Chris about how I I'm sensing a shift. He turned nine in November and I'm sensing like a, a shift in, um, I don't know, maybe what he, how he wants to spend his time, maybe turning a little more inward some, I mean, he still wants to be with his friends a lot, but he doesn't want to participate in as many activities that he, maybe he did before, but Mm -hmm. I was, I noticed that with Sean and Jack and I'm aware of it. So, but I need to remind myself to pay attention to that, but I'm not, so it was more like, oh yeah, I know this is happening, but I'm not going to worry or freak out or anything. It's like, oh, okay, I'm going to listen to him and make sure I'm getting lots of feedback from him before I plan stuff, you know, and not assume that he's going to want to do it and stuff like that. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's more about, more about um, your level of engagement. 
with yes. him, right? Just that dance. I'd like to think of it. You know, that's the metaphor. I loved your roller coaster image. That was beautiful. <laughs> I totally feel that. Um, but yeah, so it's now, now it's, now it's just the actual doing and living with him, right? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so neat. I mean, he, it's because I feel like he, um, well, like the whole video games and screen time and all that. Um, I feel like with Sean and Jack, I never got to a place where I was comfortable. Like I, I mean, we did like they were, they, I, so I was like trusting it would all be okay, but I was really nervous about it and not, and I kept trying to go through, work through my stuff, but then they just got older and I could just like, let it go. Like, okay, well, anyways, we're past that. We're behind, that's behind us now. But then Max came along and I think I re- I listened to one of your episodes, I'm pretty sure. Um, and it helped me when Max was four and he really got interested in watching YouTube videos, four or five. And I thought, oh no, we're, we're going to have to go through this again. again. And, <laughs> no, I was talking to my friend Gail about it. I said, I never really worked through it. And I want to get to a place where I'm feeling comfortable because I, I can't go through 10 years of just like hanging on and being like anxious about it. So I, I did. And, and, and I mean, yeah, your episode helped and um, other things I've read helped. And, um, and so, and it's, it feels really fine. And actually there's, he is happy. I mean, he loves doing things. He loves watching videos. He loves playing games with his kids. I mean, with his friends, he loves playing games with his brothers, but he also really wants to do stuff with us. And it's so nice to not have that power struggle. And for me, or even internally, but also with him, um, it's just one of his interests and, and he may get more interested in it at some point and, and that's fine. And he may have interests in, you know, certain games or whatever and I'll, and I'll help him with that. But it was, so that's just another example of, um, yeah, I feel like I'm working more with him. I don't know. I did with the boys too, but I, I guess it was just the internal stuff. That's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's less of that. And well, cause that's it when the kids are, you're, you know, the first time through each one's a new thing that you have to work through. Right. You know, when they hit 14, when they, when this comes up, when this comes up, you haven't worked through those things because they just haven't come up in your life before. Whereas now these things have come up. So now you can focus more, more on max rather than a lot of work yourself. Right. Right. Exactly. That's very cool. (laughs) Well, I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today, Marcella. That was so much fun. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been great. Oh, so great. I love, love hearing other people's stories. It's it's really, it's just really refreshing. I, I never get sick of it because it's fascinating to see how it all plays out for, for other families. And, and thank you very much for, for taking time to share. And your really cool math perspective on that, because I know that's something that a lot of people worry about. So thanks very much for that. Now, before we go, where can people connect with you online? Um, they can find me on Facebook, um, Marcelo Bryan with no apostrophe. Okay. Um, I think that's the only place. I don't have a blog or anything like that. So oh, no. that's it. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. Thank you so much. I'll have a wonderful day. See ya. All right. Thank you. Thanks. 
I hope you found this episode helpful on your unschooling journey. And be sure to check out the wonderful archive of earlier podcast episodes. The conversations never go out of date. And you can find more information about my books, my Patreon community, and the Childhood Redefined Unschooling Summit at my website, livingjoyfully.ca. Have a great day.